Hey friends, welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name's Alicia, thank you for joining us for today's tale of marital misadventure. Stacy, who you bringing to us? You know, I have what is actually a really inspiring story. There's some trashiness. There's also a weird little holiday tie-in. Since we're into December now, we're going to talk about the life and loves, which seem quite durable, to be honest, of actor Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man himself. Yep. He really has had a real journey. Mm -hmm. Before we get started on RDJ. RDJ. (laughs) We're going to give a few quick shout outs in our magic mirror here. First up. Whitney and Heather and kiddos, our sticker pack was simply incredible. Thank you. Christian and Pippi and Cash and Tate, y'all rock. We are filled to the brim with Trash Panda stickers, and we couldn't be more delighted. We do appreciate the secondary security envelope, so (laughs) it wasn't just a huge explosion. Yeah, I was like, is this going to be glitter or what? Right. We also want to give a big thanks to Olivia K., We got your delightful little gift package and your beautiful little note. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was entirely kind of you, and you warmed our hearts with all the holiday feels. Absolutely. Thanks, Olivia. And Carrie B., your holiday card is warming our refrigerator right now. Yes, it is. Yeah, we can't tell you how grateful we are for you, for all the kindness you've shown to our little podcast over, holy cats, Four years now. Simply incredible. I can't wait for your trashy tale today. Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man. Let's go, go, go. Stacey, I feel like I'm going to fly down Nostalgia Highway today. A little bit. Tell me about Robert Downey Jr. Absolutely. Alicia, I don't need to tell you that Robert Downey Jr. is one of Hollywood's biggest stars. His turn as Tony Stark slash Iron Man in the Marvel movies certainly didn't hurt that. He has, of course, gone through many phases of his career, and he has beat the odds to become successful, respected in his industry, and sought after for major parts. This is actually an enormous accomplishment, considering that there were plenty of people who thought that he was not going to survive to this point in his life, let alone be regarded as one of the most talented and versatile actors of his generation. Although he had some small, uncredited parts in the 70s and early 80s, it was the film Weird Science in 1985 that most people first took note of young Robert Downey Jr., RDJ. We will not call him that in this episode, though. He followed that role with a lot of others, mostly at the time films that were directed at teen audiences. But it was in 1992 when famed producer and director Richard Attenborough cast him as Charlie Chaplin in his film Chaplin, that critics and audiences took special notice of how talented Robert Downey Jr. really was. His portrayal of Chaplin earned him an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor. And after Chaplin, Robert Downey Jr. became known best not for his impressive acting abilities, but for his frequent arrests, his issues with drug addiction, and his stints in rehab. There was a time when Hollywood considered him to be too much of a risk to hire for anything. During those very difficult years, hardly anyone predicted that he would recover and work his way back to the top and become one of the highest paid actors in the business. 
And of course, it was inevitable that he also did damage to his personal life during these turbulent years. And one of the results of that was, of course, a trashy divorce. Hence us. Robert Downey Jr. was born on April 4th, 1965 in New York City into an artistic family. His father, Robert Downey Sr., I don't know if I even needed to say that, was an avant-garde filmmaker interested in advancing the counterculture, which was, of course, kind of in its societal heyday at the time. His mother, Elsie Ford Downey, was an actress who became his father's muse, but Elsie would struggle with substance abuse herself during Robert Jr.'s youth. It's quite a package of imago. There's a lot going on. So according to Robert Downey Jr., drugs were, quote, always lying around the family home in Greenwich Village. Poor kid. By the age of six, he was drinking wine and smoking marijuana at home, which was encouraged by his dad. Six years old? That is some early exposure. Oh, yeah. By the time he was eight years old, he was a drug addict by his own description. Oh, my God. This is terrible. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. would later explain that this appeared to be the only kind of childhood love that he and perhaps his father understood. In an interview published in The New Breed, Robert Downey Jr. said, quote, When my dad and I would do drugs together, it was like him trying to express his love for me in the only way he knew how. Oh, this is some terrible family dynamics. His parents divorced in 1978, and he and his father moved to Santa Monica. Robert learned about acting and filmmaking on the sets of his father's films, and he also was in the company of some famous high school classmates, including Sean Penn, Emilio Estevez, and Rob Lowe. But Robert Downey Jr. was not interested in school. I think he bores quite easily. He dropped out when he was 16 to become an actor, and it, of course, would not take long for him to realize that dream. By way of explaining maybe some of where this ambition came from, when his mother passed away in 2014, Robert Downey Jr. gave a tribute at the funeral. Part of it said, quote, In the mid-50s, she dropped out of college and headed to New York with dreams of becoming a comedian. In 62, she met my dad, who proposed at a Yankee Orioles game. They married, had my sister Allison in 63 and me in 65. There was another revolution of sorts going on at that time of underground counterculture film and theater, and with her as Bob Sr.'s muse, they jumped in wholeheartedly. He also explained that by the 1970s, his mother herself was caught up in the drug culture and was an alcoholic. Quote, as the marriage suffered, she continued to work, but not for long. A recurring role on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, 76 and 77, was her last paying job. Not that she cared, she'd have done it for free. I remember living with her and her boyfriend Jonas, who became a second father to me, in a two-room, five-story walk-up in Manhattan after that. Bunsen burner for a stove, cockroaches, broken dreams. By 1990, she'd had enough, went to treatment, got sober. Just in time to enjoy several decades of heart disease, bypasses, you name it. Mm. He went on to explain how his mother had called in 2004 when he was in, quote, bad shape with his addiction. Quote, she called me out of the blue and I admitted everything. I don't remember what she said, but I haven't drank or used since. She was my role model as an actor and as a woman who got sober and stayed that way. She was also reclusive, self-deprecating, a stoic Scotch-German rural Pennsylvanian, a ball buster, stubborn, and happy to hold a grudge. My ambition, tenacity, loyalty, 
moods, that's in quotation marks, grandiosity, occasional passive aggression, and my faith, that's all her, and I wouldn't have it any other way. What a moving tribute. Yep. All right, so let's get into some of Robert Downey Jr.'s relationships. Now that we're done with all the imago. Right. Yikes. Notably, I find this extremely interesting because they were so young. Robert Downey Jr. had a seven-year-long relationship with Sarah Jessica Parker. This is way back in the day. From 1984 to 1991. The two met when they were both in the 84 film Firstborn. They were both 18 years old when they started their relationship. A seven-year-long Hollywood relationship at 18. starting at 18 is unusual, let's say. They dated for about eight weeks before deciding to move in together. Perfect. Now... You probably think of Sarah Jessica Parker as sort of a good girl, and it seems like that is borne out. She was on the very straight and narrow, and he was in the throes of alcohol and drug misuse for most of their relationship. So, you know, clearly there would have been struggles. She recently told Vanity Fair in June of this year that her attempts to help stabilize Robert made her feel like a parent. Totally what you want in your relationship. Also, his career took off quicker than hers did, which I have to think must have felt a bit unfair. There's this wild man with all these problems who's like zooming to the top while she's kind of trudging along in obscurity. He had a stint on Saturday Night Live in 1986, but his big breakout role was in 87's Less Than Zero. He was in a string of hits for the next few years, including Johnny Be Good with Anthony Michael Hall in 88. Chances are, with Sybil Shepard and Ryan O'Neill, two TD alums, in 1989, Air America with Mel Gibson, TD alum, in 1990, and Soap Dish, I love that movie, with Sally Field and Kevin Kline in 91. Then, of course, he hit that all-new level of success with Chaplin in 92. Another TD alum, Charlie Chaplin. I Uh. loved my Charlie Chaplin story. Robert Downey Jr. was also deeply into heroin and cocaine by that time. not good. In 1995, Jodie Foster herself recognized how bad his drug addiction had become when she directed him in the film Home for the Holidays. Love that one, too. Oh, it's such a good, good film. Take a trashy lamp with you, <laughs> friends. Jodie Foster shut down production for a bit in order to sit down with Robert Downey Jr. for a private heart-to-heart. She told the Huffington Post years later, quote, and I said, so far... You're on a bar stool, and you have managed to not fall off the bar stool. It's possible that you're going to find a way to prop yourself up, whatever toothpicks it takes to prop yourself up, but I'm afraid for you. And now may not be the time, but I am afraid for you. Meanwhile, back on the home front, Sarah Jessica Parker was known for her previous role in Square Pegs in 1982 and 1983. Square Pegs. Oh, yeah, I don't think I've seen it. Oh, I've, oh. And she had a supporting role in Footloose in 1984. Yeah, she did. A little movie called Footloose. When you say she was in obscurity, she wasn't really. If you were in the teenage loop, you knew all about SJP. Sure, but yeah, but there was there was a... Disparate level yeah, of fame. fame. Sure. Her star did not rise as quickly as her boyfriend's. But square pegs, am I right, y'all? <laughs> She starred in Girls Just Want to Have Fun oh, in yeah. 1985. Oh, God, I love that movie. Was a main cast member in the television series A Year in the Life in yep. 87 and 88, but would not have the same kind of mainstream success as Robert Downey Jr. until the 1990s. 
Then she was in L.A. Story in 91, Honeymoon in Vegas in 92, and Hocus Pocus, love it, in 1993. Listen to these spiderwebs. Steve Martin, L.A. Story, previous yep. TD alum. Absolutely. Nicholas Cage. Oh, yes. Previous TD alum. Definite. He of the weird pyramid in New Orleans. <laughs> Nick Cage said he's only got a few more movies left in him. Don't we all? <laughs> Continue on, SJP. Sorry about sure. that. Sure. So because of this, because she was finding a name in theater and her... Anyway, because there was a disparate level of fame, she said that she was treated as a, quote, supporting cast member by, again, her boyfriend's circle of friends. Quote, people around him would be dismissive of me, mm. but I had given him stability and tried to create a steady heartbeat that allowed him to show up on time. That made me angry and embarrassed me. I bet. Robert Downey Jr. told Parade in 2008 that his substance abuse issues caused problems in their relationship, unsurprisingly. Quote, I like to drink and I had a drug problem and that didn't jibe with Sarah Jessica because it's the furthest thing from what she is. She provided me a home and understanding. She tried to help me. She was so miffed when I didn't get my act together. I was in love with Sarah Jessica and love clearly was not enough. Mm. But that is not all that Robert Downey Jr. has revealed about his long-term relationship with Sarah Jessica Parker. In 2015, he was on the Howard Stern Show and discussed many things, including his relationship with her. This is such a good quote. Quote, we were in a very conservative relationship concerning the fact that she was normal and I was out of my mind. Oh. I did the best I could. Right. No, that's tough if you've got differing levels of mm -hmm. use within a partnership that is extremely challenging and if i'm not wrong sarah jessica parker has nine siblings 11 siblings she comes from a really close sort of family nurturing thing i can imagine that would have been tough for the both of them right but the fact that the relationship lasted as long as it did when they both had options like neither was financially trapped right like i feel like it speaks to something about both of them honestly robert downey jr would explain that he was dating sarah jessica parker while he starred in the film 1969 with Kiefer sutherland and that the three of them ended up quote kind of unquote living together for a few years robert downey jr says i would say for Kiefer and i we were almost always in a long-term committed relationship and he is and remains a very disciplined guy, despite whatever habits either of us had. When we did the movie, I remember he'd be like, Robert, it's 6.15. It's time to go to work. He was probably staying with us for a while, and then I was having some trouble with Sarah Jessica, and he was looking after her. It was all rather incestuous back then. Wow. I did not know that. Didn't know that either. So why did they break up? I mean, it seems pretty obvious that it was because of Robert Downey Jr.'s addiction. Sarah Jessica Parker told People in 2018, There was a huge amount of time spent making sure he was okay. At a certain point, I had the courage to say, I'm going to walk away and I'm going to pray that you don't die. Both still have a lot of affection and respect for each other. She called their time together, quote, a really adventurous, important eight years of my life. She said that their relationship, quote, taught me how I love. Yep. That's a key lesson. Yep. 
and she explained that loving him during his addiction was not dissimilar to loving a child. Quote, maybe it taught me a little bit about being a parent, too, because the things that I ended up caring about and the way I cared for Downey were things that might be more suitable for a parent. Which, of course, he didn't exactly have in the normal way. All right, so this is a great spot to take a break, hear from some sponsors, and we're going to come back and we're going to get into the 90s. The arrests, the jail, the rehab, all of it. You thought the 80s were fun. See you on the flip. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disentel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disentel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Trash Pandas, when you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island, from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. All right, we're back with the 90s. It got really bad for him. Like, I feel so lucky that we have him still around because so many actors did not make it through similar things. What what he has made it through. Mm -hmm. That said, the 1990s were a tough decade for Robert Downey Jr. He was in the throes of major addiction with alcohol and a handful of drugs. He was arrested many times. In 1996, he was arrested for possession of heroin, cocaine, and an unloaded 357 caliber Magnum. Oh, no. He was given three years of probation and required to undergo mandatory drug testing. But of course, being the guy making great decisions that he was, he skipped a court-ordered drug test the next year and got to spend four months in the Los Angeles County Jail as a result. The same year, People reported that Downey had, quote, become the most recent casualty of Hollywood's heroin resurgence. He was arrested again soon after on trespassing charges when he broke into a neighbor's house and fell asleep in a child's bed while under the influence. He went to rehab twice during this time, and he left early, both times. 
1999, he skipped another drug test and was sentenced to three years in prison. He desperately pleaded with the judge to send him back to rehab instead, telling the judge, quote, It's like I have a shotgun in my mouth, and I've got the finger on the trigger, and I like the taste of gunmetal. He ended up serving 15 months in the state prison in Corcoran, California. He tried to relay to Dax Shepard on his Armchair Expert podcast about the experience of being sentenced to prison and then serving his time. Quote, I'm going to try to give you the flashcards. I'm in court. I'm being over-sentenced by an angry judge. And at some point, he said something in Latin. I thought he was casting a spell on me. Two weeks later, I'm in a place called Delano, which is a receiving center where they decide where you're going to go. Arguably the most dangerous place I've ever been in my life because nobody is designated. If they're a level one, two, three, or four criminal, everybody's there. You could just feel the evil in the air. It was kind of like just being in a really bad neighborhood, and there was no opportunity there. There was only threats. So yes, everyone is going to take your wallet, so watch it. Walking onto the yard that you're going to be doing more than a year on for the first time, the closest thing I can associate it to is being sent to a distant planet where there is no way home until the planets align. Ah. Even though the experience was truly awful for him, it was only four months after being released that Robert Downey Jr. was arrested again for cocaine and Valium possession and for being under the influence of drugs. He pleaded no contest, and he was able to avoid more jail time. But Robert Downey Jr. was not done with his legal troubles. In April of 2000, he was arrested after L.A. police found him wandering in an alleyway while under the influence. In 01, he was arrested again for being under the, quote, influence of illicit substances. By that time, I mean, his career was all but gone. Nobody wanted to take the risk to hire him. He lost jobs that he was being considered for, and he was fired from others for not showing up consistently. But he did have a first marriage. Dude making good choices. Deborah Falconer, his first wife, was born on August 13th, 1965 in Sacramento. Does that make her a Leo? That would make her a Leo. And Robert Downey Jr. is an Aries. Sparky, sparky fire. Two fire signs together. Great. Yowza. Well, that may explain a few things. Deborah knew from a young age that she wanted to perform. She was interested in modeling, acting, and eventually she also realized she had a talent for singing. She had a small part as a result of the singing in the 1991 film The Doors and got a few other small parts that same year. In 1992, she was cast in Robert Altman's film Shortcuts, which Robert Downey Jr. also happened to be in. So they met, and there is not much to say about their courtship because it lasted like a microsecond. After a few weeks, the couple decided to get engaged, and just 42 days after meeting... (sighs) 42! On May 29th, 1992, they got hitched! Wow. The next year, they had their only child, who was born in September of 1993, a son. With Robert Downey Jr.'s addiction issues, though... It's not difficult to understand why the marriage was not built to last. He's beginning the 90s with a marriage and a kid. Yeah, and it... it, Uh. Yeah, they separated in 1996. They did not, however, divorce for a number of years. Like, the marriage actually survived on paper the 1990s. Huh. Mm -hmm. In January of 2001, ABC News reported, quote, It's taken four long years. 
The estranged wife of Robert Downey Jr. has finally filed for divorce from the actor. She is seeking custody of their seven-year-old son. Good call, Good Mom. call, yeah. ABC News speculated that the sudden desire to file for divorce was spurred on by his, quote, very public nuzzling with his Ally McBeal co-star Callista Flockhart at Sunday's Golden Globe Awards. After accepting his Golden Globe Award for his work on the series, he told Flockhart, Sweetheart, this is ours. So, seems bad, but it also turns out that estranged wife Deborah had also already moved on, and she was romantically involved with and living with drummer and songwriter Victor Indrizzo. Incidentally, Robert Downey Jr. would be fired from Ally McBeal before the next season because he was again arrested for being under the influence. This time, instead of going to prison, he was sent to rehab. So during this period he's in rehab, he does seem to have finally hit rock bottom, the cliche that is applied to whatever circumstance it is that gets a person to finally sort of see a new way to move forward. I mean, here he is. His wife has filed for divorce. She is getting custody of their son. He has been fired from Ally McBeal, lost a bunch of film roles. He was deeply in debt, and he almost had to declare bankruptcy. This time, after all of those other times didn't work, this time did. He was finally ready to fully address his addiction issues and decided to devote an entire year to his recovery. Oddly, it would still not be until 2004 when Deborah and Robert finalized their divorce. And like, publicly, nobody quite knows why, but I suspect that she was deeply invested in his path to sobriety. And right, like, I think they've remained close and good co-parents. In fact, their son himself has struggled with addiction and both have been very, very involved in sort of helping guide him through that. In March of 2003, Deborah Falconer said, quote, Robert has stood by our son all the way through the highs and lows, and he's in a great place just now. I'm so happy. Oh, that's good news. Absolutely. So another reason that they finalized things appears to be that during their estrangement, Robert Downey Jr. had met and fallen in love with producer Susan Levin on the set of the film Gothica in 2003. She will become his next wife. But now is probably a good time for a quick break before we come back to Robert Downey Jr.'s sobriety and the good life. Well, that sounds much better than the 90s. It's a redemption arc. Back in a minute. So after he got clean and sober, and it stuck this time, he was still in tremendous financial trouble, and he had a horrible reputation in Hollywood. He was having a hard time getting jobs because... Who's going to take the chance that their big budget thing is going to get blown up by this guy who can't stay clean and can't stop getting arrested? The one good thing Mel Gibson has ever done in his life, perhaps. <laughs> it was fellow actor Mel Gibson who made it possible for Robert Downey Jr. to make his comeback. We covered Mel Gibson some seasons ago, and I have not washed the stink off me yet. So it had become impossible for a studio to get insurance for Robert Downey Jr. because he had been so unreliable and in so much trouble in yeah, the past. way too high risk. So Mel Gibson paid a liability insurance bond that allowed him to star in 2003's The Singing Detective so Robert Downey Jr. could have a chance to 
regain his professional standing and start to rebuild his career. Well, which that might be the nicest thing I've ever heard about Mel Gibson. Right. He slowly but surely earned back the respect and trust of filmmakers and audiences. He continued to work on his sobriety. And in August of 2005, he and Susan Levitt married in a Jewish wedding ceremony in Amagansett, New York. They had a son in 2012 and a daughter in 2014. This is during the 11 years that he was playing Tony Stark and Iron Man and a whole bunch of Marvel movies. In 2015, this is cool. Robert Downey Jr. got good news when California Governor Jerry Brown announced that he would be pardoning him. Through the pardon, those former convictions would be erased and he would have his voting rights restored. Oh, isn't that great? Mm -hmm. The governor said that Downey Jr. has demonstrated, quote, exemplary behavior and deserved the pardon. Robert Downey Jr. told a lighthearted story about a much different arrest while he was speaking at Disney's D23 Expo in Anaheim, California in 2019. He was being awarded with a Disney Legends Award, and while accepting the award on stage, he revealed that he had once been arrested at the Mouse House at Disneyland. Oh my God, no. He said, quote, Here's a bit of trivia for you. The very first time I went to Disneyland, I was transported to another place. Within moments of being arrested, I was brought to a surprisingly friendly processing center, given a strict warning, and returned to, if memory serves, one very disappointed group chaperone. (laughs) I've been sitting on that shame for a while, and I'm just going to release it here tonight. I would like to make amends to whoever had to detain me for smoking pot in a gondola without a license. I don't want to further confuse the issue by insinuating that pot smoking licenses for the gondola are in any way obtainable. (laughs) So Robert, of course, in recent years has made a big mark as Tony Stark and Iron Man for Marvel. He was in three Iron Man films as well as part of the Avengers for I think three more, but there may have been more. I've seen many, but not all of them. I know he said in the past that he feels like he's too old now to reprise the role, and Marvel recently said that they are never going to make Robert Downey Jr. play Tony Stark again. His story there ended as it should. More recently, Robert Downey Jr. has garnered Oscar buzz for his role in this year's Oppenheimer, with all doors open to him in his industry now. I mean, he is genuinely a beloved figure in the Hollywood community. He's had to work very, very hard. It is quite the redemption arc Uh for an actor whose work I've always found extremely elegant. Even when his characters aren't elegant, I feel like his mastery of the craft is elegant in any role that he plays. And because we're airing this in December, I'm going to link to my very favorite Christmas song ever, Robert Downey Jr. performing Joni Mitchell's River. This was originally from a scene in Ally McBeal all of those many years ago. And it was when he was really struggling to sort himself out. And it's just always hit me as a remarkably vulnerable performance. So check your show notes for a very degraded bit of late 90s or early 2000s video on the YouTube. No trash cans. I think Robert Downey Jr.'s story should be an inspiration for everyone who has tried and tried and tried to give up something that wasn't working for them. Keep trying, friends. You can get there. And that's my Robert Downey Jr. story, Alicia. Also, thank you to Melissa O for putting the bulk of that together. Excellent work. That was quite a ride. Yeah. Thank you. 
I just, I really, really enjoy his work and his circuitous path to success. I, I really do think should uh, tell us all that we have options. It is always funny, not haha, funny queer. Sometimes how it all works out. Mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing us that. Trash Pandas, thanks for tuning in today. Maybe go cozy up, watch a little home for the holidays. That's a little bit more heartwarming than, say, less than zero. Yes. <laughs> yes, quite the variety of uh, acting experiences he has given us. Y'all, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you for spending this little bit of time with us, for all your support, for your kind emails and reviews and awesome Christmas cards and generally just being the very best community in the world. It really is. Don't forget, if you need a little bit more trash candy in the meantime, patreon.com slash trashy divorces is the place to go for more trashy relationships. If you're looking for a little bit more trashy in your life, don't forget Trashy Royals. Thursdays. Whole new separate podcast feed. Having some real fun over there with some real garbage stories. Also done and done. Mondays. Your trashy intersection of Hollywood and high society. Always something fun going on over there. Thanks again, everybody. We appreciate you for being here and just for being you. And until we meet again... I hope that you will keep your hands clean. I hope you're going to keep your hearts trashy. And for God's sakes, take a lamp. (laughs) Big love, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacey and Alicia with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.